1: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. I feel like I've been on the show so much lately. It's very exciting. Last week, I was a guest, or maybe that was two weeks ago. But anyway, I'm here today to host. Um, If you enjoy this podcast, please give us a review at uh, Apple Podcasts. It will help others to find us. So if you think this has been helpful to you, then help us help others. Um, We have a really great show today. I think we always have a great show. I might be a little bit biased, but um, we have some great advice for um, families with students who are interested in a career in early childhood education. Um, We are going to be talking about the Common App Essay, Uh, But before we get to that, we are going to be talking about how to prepare your student financially as they head off to college, right? You're thinking, well, I bought the extra long sheets for their dorm bed and we've rented a mini fridge. But there is a huge piece of preparation that I think a lot of families don't always think about, um, and joining me today to discuss that is my colleague, Jean Mahan, who also is a former financial aid officer at both Tufts and Quinn Sigmund Community College. Hi, Jean, how are you? Hi, Beth. Great. Good. So I was looking at kind of some ideas that you put together for this, and everyone I thought, oh, i got to work. I've got to think about that. I've got to <laughs> think about that yeah. because next year I'm going to be in this position, um, so why don't we start out with what I, I think is the most important. And that is the, the first big question, which is how, what kind of spending money are your student going to have, right? What's their allowance going to be, or even will they have an
2: allowance? Right. Great question. Um, so some families choose to do a stipend or an allowance, you know, they'll say you're getting X number of dollars a month or a week or for the term budget it. Other students might have summer earnings and their parents have said, you know, we're going to cover tuition fees, but you're on the hook for your books and your pizza and whatever all else you need during the semester. So really, you know, figuring out who's going to be responsible for those kinds of things. Students are also getting pre pre preloaded cards. So they'll have an ID card and it will swipe for the laundry and the bookstore and the coffee shops and that kind of thing. So, you might want to have a discussion about who's loading that. Is that just part of the student's responsibility to use with their allowance or stipend or with their summer earnings? Because that will be important. And also to remind them how important that card is. If they lose it, it basically enables somebody else to take advantage of the bookstore, the dining hall, and who knows what all else. Right. So, yeah, keep that card close to your vest. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Because even if students
1: have experience with an ATM card, a debit card, this kind of thing where the money is already preloaded is mm. a completely different thing, right? All together. Sure.
2: So And a lot of times advice. they're hooked to keys. Mm-hmm. And you know, kids lose keys all the time. We all lose keys all the time or leave them someplace. And yes, you know, it's so easy to be in the library, leave your keys on the edge of the desk and somebody walks by and just takes them. So yeah, be really yeah. careful with those. Great advice. Um, and then I think the next
1: one also super important, which is, um, you know, what's the budget going to be, right? So if you are going to give your child money, how much money can they expect from you or and and things like that. So talk to us about how you
2: think about a budget for your student. Sure. So most of their big costs are taken care of, their food is taken care of, their You know, basic clothing. (laughs) (laughs) Their clothing is taken care of for the most part. Um, You know, whoever is paying for books and those kinds of things. So, kind of deciding, all right, this is the amount of money that either we're giving you or you're using. You you know, you've earned $2,000 over the summer. You've got 16 weeks to, you know, to take care of. How are you going to budget that? And to help them to set that up so that they know, okay, this week I have X number of dollars. You know, I paid for my books and now I have. $40 that I can spend. If I don't spend it all, I can roll it to the next week or I don't have to spend it. You know, it's not a requirement, but just helping them to understand that $2,000 needs to last four months. And if they blow through it too fast, what happens then? Are mom and dad coming to the rescue with an open purse. So yeah, really important to have that discussion. Um, And Beth, you're in a unique position where you have a whole year to get your son up and going. So, um, But for parents who haven't really thought about this, you know, we've got the summer here and it's a great time to be working on those skills.
1: Yeah, not only, well, I have a year to plan for it. I I also have my own cautionary tale, which is that I had earned $2,000 to go abroad for the year to Paris and managed to spend all of it in the first four months. (laughs) Um, And then I left Paris and came back early because you know as you can only do my when money. you're tw- when you're 20 years old and you're missing out on what's going on on campus and yes you're in paris god i don't know if i ever been that young and dumb i don't know <laughs> however then i had to figure out quickly how was i going to earn considerably more than i would normally earn with a with a campus job to pay for things like my rent which should have been covered by that money so yeah. budget I know from experience, it's very important, and it was, I did not have a blank check (laughs) from my
2: parents to make up for my own budget shortfalls. And it's really important for kids to know that, that if you run out, you're going to have to find a job or do something to get some money because we won't bail you out. So if you are going to bail, that's fine too, but just make sure everybody's on the same page and knows what the ramifications are of blowing through money too quickly.
1: Exactly, exactly. Really good advice. Um, you know, right now, my son has a debit card that's tied to my own, to my bank account. He has sort of a junior card that when he turns 18, he can have his own account. But what do you think about bank accounts for students? And I know when I went off to college, I we opened an account at mm. the local bank. But, you know, curious if students still do that.
2: Right. So I am a huge fan of bank accounts for kids, no matter what the age is, because I think it's a great way to teach them about saving and budgeting and that kind of thing. Right now, I don't think that most students actually need to set up an account near school, because as long as they're, they're aware of the network that their ATM is associated with, then, you know, it should be fine. So, you know, they have to understand that if you're not taking out of the right network, you could be incurring a fee of $5 every time you withdraw money. Yes. That's huge. You know, you borrow, you take 20 out and you're paying five later on down the road. So it's really important for them to understand that. So I think it's less important to have a bank account near school as long as they can access the funds pretty easily. Um, And it's really up to families to decide how much supervision they want of that account. You know, if it's the student's account and you're sort of making that their responsibility, then that's their responsibility if they're dipping into your account, obviously you want to know exactly what's going on. Right. Yeah. And some families won't be able to open an account for a student without a parent if they're under 18. So when my son went off to college, he was only 17. Mm. And I had to be on the account in order for him to open it. But once they're 18, they can open it themselves. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm a big fan of students
1: having their own accounts for all the reasons you mentioned. And I also feel like, especially if they have a job and they're earning money Mm. that should be going into account that they control. Like you, my son right now is only 17. So he can't have his own account. But as soon as he turns 18, my plan is to shift that into an adult account. And not that I will maybe give up complete insight into it, but it's, you know, he's got to live in the world without me. And how Mm. will I launch him into that world if he can't manage his
2: own money? So I'll put in a plug for that. It will only take one time though, because my son came home one time for Mm -hmm. spring break. And I asked him before he left, do you need any money? Oh no, I'm fine. And then I get a call from DC because he had a layover. Mm-hmm. um i can't access any of my money because for some reason i can't get into my savings account which is where my money is and yeah. i was like well i don't know what to tell you you're <laughs> in dc and i can't get you any money so he right. figured it out, you know he got on the plane he got back to school he uh found somebody to pick him up at the airport so it all worked out because he didn't even have subway money right it never happened again it happened once lesson learned.
1: Yeah. So nowadays, the easy thing is you could bail them out because I control it all from my phone, right? So if he's like, oh, I don't have any money, I could transfer <laughs> it in. So maybe we'll, you will learn, it will, might take a little longer. <laughs> so yeah, it's a little trickier. All right, here's a big one. Uh, I have my own cautionary tale about this as well, because apparently <laughs> I'm terrible with money, or I was anyway.
2: Credit cards. What do you think kids and credit cards as they go off to college? Okay. So I'll tell you about my tale. So with my oldest child, I said, you absolutely do not need a credit card. You've got a debit card. That's all you need. So mm-hmm. he graduated from college and he got a job and he needed to buy a car. And guess what? He had no credit history. Yeah. So that wasn't a good move on my part. But his mm-hmm. sister was four years younger and she was getting ready to go to college. So we, we allowed her to get a credit card. And we put a limit on it. So mm-hmm. I think the limit was $350 or something. She was going to school close to home. So it wasn't like she needed a plane ticket. Right. And um, and so she knew that she should only charge what she could afford to pay in one month. Now, some families choose to make their child an authorized user on their account. And that's fine, too, because then you can actually see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the student will establish a credit history it just will be a lot slower than if they have their own card but if you want them to have their own card it's really important to educate them as to what this card means it's it's basically a loan right and you know if you if you go out and you spend $500 on a really fabulous pair of boots or something like that and you can't make that payment this month then that's going to be accruing interest and so your bill is gradually going to get larger and larger and maybe really difficult to repay. And, you know, my experience is sometimes kids, when they don't want to deal with something, they just like, don't deal with it. Put it in the drawer and ignore it. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Delete that email from the credit card company. Um, And so by then the damage is done and they need to understand the long-term ramifications. So if you're not making those payments, it's hurting your future credit. You know, when you go to get a car loan later or get another credit card, you just won't have the good credit to get those lower interest rates. So really educating them. Right, exactly. So it's sort of like a double-edged sword.
1: It's not a bad idea to have the card because you can establish credit history. Mm -hmm. But if you misuse the
2: card, you're destroying the credit history that you're establishing. Exactly. Not great. Not Not great great at all. And it's great that that, um, credit card companies can't canvas on campus anymore. I mean, Mm -hmm. prior to like the last recession, they could, and kids would get these cards and they'd be charging all kinds of stuff on it and then not paying the bills. So got them into a lot of trouble. So at least now um, they're not able to do that. So it gives families more of an opportunity to kind of be involved in that process and do some education first. You
1: you mentioned something to me um, about you know, you're shopping, let's say you're at, I was going to say the Gap, but that feels so old school now. You're <laughs> at Nordstrom and you're making your purchase and the person informs you that, hey, if you applied for, or TJ Maxx, this happened yeah. to me just the other day. Hey, if you apply for our credit card, you could get 20% off or 10% off of this entire purchase you're making today. Mm-hmm. And I have learned over time, that's a, never a good idea. And so I am always, it's an easy thing to turn down any, you know, advice on, you know, sort of educating your college students on yes. this before
2: it happens? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Just say no, as they yeah. say. <laughs> because, you know, if you've got like one of the major credit cards, you can use that anywhere. You can use it at restaurants and stores. So you don't need all those individual credit cards. Um, every time you're opening a new credit card, it's kind of hurting your credit score. Um, you have more opportunities to misuse credit to lose that card. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, you don't need it. And even though 10% or 20% sounds pretty fabulous, you know, when you think about it, it's $10 off 100, you know, just eat the $10 and keep your credit under control. So, yeah. Right.
1: And if you can't pay off that balance, usually the interest rates are really high. Uh And so you will more than... Uh, spend that money and then some. So agreed, not worth
3: it.
2: Yeah, and using a a calculator just to show students, like if you buy this item for $100 and you're only paying the minimum payment of $10 a month, Mm -hmm. this is how long it's going to take you to pay that card off. And this is what that item will cost. Is it worth it? Right. All right, we have two more before we go to break. And the next one is um, educating your kids about keeping their personal information safe. Mm -hmm. Really important. So when I had a landline, and uh, you know, I was constantly getting calls from the IRS saying that they were sending someone to my house to arrest me for non-payment of taxes, and you know, all these kinds of things. It were just they were scams. Yes. So it's important to tell your kids, you know, the bank is not going to call you and ask you for your um, account number. Right. The credit card company is not going to call you and ask you for your account number. Don't give any information. If you get an email and it says, you know, click on this link to your credit card statement. If you're not sure, call the credit card company and say, did you send this email to me? You know, did you send me this alert? Um, And remind them the IRS, the banks, they're not going to be calling asking for personal identifying information that these are scams, that they can be used to really hurt them. You know, stealing their identity is no laughing matter. It takes a long time to clear that up. Yep, so, absolutely. Yeah, really important. Yes. Last
1: thing, and I always joke that wherever my son ends up going to college, they're going to lose money
2: on him. <laughs> um, but you had some really good advice around meal plans. Yeah. So talk to us about that really quickly. Sure. And I thought my son would make meal, you know, lose money, but it turned out that he wasn't eating anywhere near the n- number of meals for a variety of reasons. But you know. Most meal plans are, especially for freshmen, might cover 20 meals a week, 19 to 20 meals a week. Mm -hmm. Some of them are 15. But those ID cards that we talked about, they can swipe those at restaurants on campus, coffee shops, even around campus. Some of those uh, shops will also accept the cards. And so, you know, if you don't use your meal plan, I liken it to going into a restaurant, paying for the meal, turning around and walking out and leaving it on the table. Uneaten. So yeah. if you've got all these meals and you haven't used them and you don't get credit for them, then you've basically wasted your money. So make sure that your student, if they don't need the 20 meal plan, 15 will probably do it. Tons of college students have tons of food in their rooms. No one's going hungry on a college campus. Exactly. So.
1: Jean, thank you so much for joining today. That's I really awesome. appreciate it's it. fun to talk to you today. You too. All right. We're going to take a really quick break and then we come back where have some information about an early childhood education degree program um, that you can do for basically free. So uh, if that's something that you're interested in, then don't go away.
4: Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody.
1: We are talking about um, an early childhood education degree program I'm super excited to share with you. So if you know anyone who's interested in early childhood education or if you yourself are interested in it, um, I am pleased to welcome my colleague, Joanna Williams, who's an academic and student support advisor at EdAssist, which is part of Bright Horizons, Bright Horizons College Coach, Bright Horizons EdAssist. Um, she's also a former student advisor at Vatterack College and the University of Arizona Global Campus, so she has a background in student advising. Hi, Joanna. Hello. Hello. All right. Well, thanks for joining us again on the podcast. This is not your first trip here. Um, but a good time. T- yes, but today we're talking <laughs> about something really interesting, um, I think anyway, for anyone who is thinking about early childhood education. Um, and if you know, you're know you looking for a great place to work, you and I could both attest to the fact that Bright Horizons is a great company. I have Absolutely. been here for 15 years already, so uh, and it's almost my 15th year anniversary, actually. I hope that.
3: to be here that long. There you go. I I plan on being here longer if possible. (laughs) All right, awesome.
1: All right, so um, let's start with early childhood education. There's a qualification that you need in order to be an early childhood teacher. What is that
3: called and what's that all about? So it is the Child Development Associate, um, which is a credential. It's well respected in the community. Um, It's something that actually even carries college credits once it's done, Um, but it is the way to get started as a certified teacher. Got it. Now, how does Bright Horizons help
1: um, in terms of attaining that credential? Because Bright Horizons is a company, not a
3: college, right? Right. Yeah. Well, we actually found a way to be able to offer the curriculum for the CDA program. We call it our eCDA. It's fully online. Um, You can complete it uh, virtually through us. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we we cover the cost, uh, of course. And then you can ultimately get the exam for the CDA. Awesome. So, all right, our listeners are saying, well, that sounds interesting.
1: Um, what do I need in order to join the Horizons or take advantage of the Horizons teacher degree program?
3: Well, first is work for us, which we yeah. would love to have you. Please come and join us, um, join our team. We work for us at one of our early childhood education centers. Um, once you're hired, you, you're, you're, sorry, your eligibility starts day one. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, and you can start directly into the the Horizons Teacher Degree Program um, once you've done that CDA program, or um, already have some early childhood education credits. Awesome. So, uh, here's the big question, right? How much is it going to cost? Nothing. Well, not (laughs) for you. Nothing for you. We cover the entire program up front. Um, That way, you don't have any out-of-pocket costs, which is usually the biggest barrier. So.
1: Right. Exactly. I mean, when we think about going to school, one of the things we talk about in general on this show is we always couple information when we're talking about getting into school or making good choices to be competitive or different degree programs. We also always, always, always talk about finance because these days when you think about college, you think about big bills. So the idea that you could get um, your degree and have it not cost you anything is pretty amazing. Um, And and I guess I'm curious, how does that work, right? How does, um, how can Bright Horizons fund a program like that for anyone who's interested, who works at one of their centers?
3: So um, Bright Horizons, we really just want to invest in our employees. Um, We want our teachers at our centers to be with us for a long time. We want to make sure that they're very qualified to take care of um, everyone's wonderful children. I don't know awkward Love to it. say that. Everyone's children. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. Okay. Well, here's a big question. You mentioned that
1: you have to work at a Bright Horizons center. How is it possible to work a full-time job with Bright Horizons and also pursue the degree?
3: How does that work? So all of the programs, um, we have partner schools that we partner with for you guys to be able to do your degree program, you guys as potential mm-hmm to work with us. Um, fully online, the partner schools offer um, different ways to complete your degree, accelerated programs, competency-based programs, um, one course at a time for some of the schools. It's, it's really w- well built um, to allow you to have that flexibility to be able to work and go to school.
1: Well, and it's also, as you mentioned, the whole CDA piece is an eCDA, right? So that is, yes. I'm assuming, fully online. And yes. all of these are fully online, correct?
3: You can complete the entire program
1: fully online. Awesome. And just to dig a little bit more deeply in the, into this, does the CDA count as your associates? And then if you want to get your bachelor's, that's something different. Can you talk us through those two pieces?
3: The CDA program, um, once you receive your CDA credential, it is worth college credits. Okay. Um, it is worth different amounts at our partner schools, but all of we have agreements with our partner schools that they will accept um, CDA credits. To go towards your degree program. Um, And typically, you can start with an associate's degree in early childhood education, or you can go directly for a bachelor's degree from there. Awesome, and I think that's really important, right? So
1: we talked about the CDA, but the key to this program is that you can complete this program and end up with a bachelor's degree or an associate's degree. But if your goal is to have that bachelor's degree on your resume, because you know that it's going to open more doors, this program will get you there. And there is no waiting period, right? You can start into the Horizons degree program on day one when you start working with us. That is correct. Awesome. Um, all right. Uh, another question obviously is um, where can people who are interested in
3: learning more about this go for more information? So you can actually learn more about this um, at our career page at brighthorizons.com slash careers. Um, that's where we have job postings, for current open positions available. Um, and then as you apply for those positions, um, you can ask whatever questions you'd like about the program. Yeah. And,
1: and I want to put a plug in. So if you go to that page, which again, www, which I probably don't need to say, I sound really old school and I do that, but brighthorizons.com slash careers, you're also going to see all the different openings that we have at the different centers all over the country. And we do have quite a few. Um, and our centers are reopened. We're welcoming families every day. We maintain the highest standards. In my opinion, I might be a little biased, but we are the gold standard for early childhood education in this country, and so I don't think there's a better place that you can work at. And now with the Horizons degree program, really, uh, you know, there's no reason not to, especially because you can get your degree paid for, which is um, yeah.
3: kind of unbelievable. Yeah, uh, we were able to keep centers open during the pandemic to support um, for frontline workers and and healthcare workers. So. Exactly.
1: You know, we're, we're definitely out there, out, out front, um, doing really important work. I mean, there's arguably no more important work than caring for children while their parents are working. Um, I know that when my son was in a, chi- a Bright Horizons childcare center, I felt really good about how he was doing while I was working. And I didn't really have to think about it, actually, because... I knew that they were doing such a great job and he was having way more fun with them than he would have had, um, at home with me. Uh, so yeah, I always feel really good about that. Joanna, is there anything else you want to add about the horizons degree
3: program before we wrap up our segment? Um, overall, I mean, it is a really great benefit. Um, we have teachers taking advantage of it all the time. Um, there is a great network of support with the other teachers that you'll be working with um, that will have done the program or will plan on be doing the program. Um, And we have, you know, I'm an academic advisor here with the company um, and you have to meet with me actually, (laughs) but you can... Voluntarily meet with me after that if you have um, any issues or have any questions. Right, or
1: if you're trying to understand how this will fit into your career exactly. trajectory, right? Yeah. You know, one other thing before we wrap that I did also want to mention is that I actually um, work and engage closely with other members of the Bright Horizons community on a regular basis just through my role at Bright Horizons College Coach. And one thing that's always struck me is the number of people in leadership positions in the company who started out in centers. In some cases, without a degree, just working in um, at one of the centers caring for children, and how um, Bright Horizons really just promote that career traje- trajectory and to so the ability to grow within the com- company. I'm losing my words today. To grow within the company is amazing to see, and I have seen it in action, and that is always really exciting. Um, Joanna, thank you
3: so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. look forward to working with with all of our new employees coming soon, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> thank all right. you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so we are going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about the Common App Essay and going through all the different prompts. So... Don't go away.
2: Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN.
0: College admissions can be stressful, but Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts, who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions, offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. You are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
1: All right. Welcome back, everybody. I'm excited. My colleague here at College Coach, but also my former colleague at Penn is here, um, Sai Samboon. Hi, Sai.
5: Hello. Hello, everyone.
1: Uh, all right. So Sai and I are going to be talking about the Common App essay. And for those of you who are rising seniors, or perhaps you've already completed your junior year, so you are full-on seniors, um, I will. I'm going to start with my plea that you be working on this essay this summer, please. For the love of God, do not leave this until December or even October. This is an involved process, writing your college essay. It's not something you're going to do in an afternoon if you're going to do it well. And the summer is the ideal time for you to get this done. So it's July 1st. You've got two months. Now is the time to work on it. All right. Diatribe over. Um, (laughs) All right, So what I thought you and I could do is go through each of the prompts. So the Common Application has seven different prompts that you can choose from. And I'm actually going to um, really quickly get number seven off of our plate and so that you and I can focus exclusively on the first six. Um, And number seven is share an essay on any topic of your choice. It can be one you've already written one that responds to a different prompt, or one of your own design, i.e., you wrote your own prompt. Um, really, what this is is topic of your choice. So, um, I actually have my students start by just thinking about what they want to write and not worrying about the individual prompts, because I know that at the end of the day, number seven is a great option if the prompt, if the essay that they turn out doesn't seem to fit with any of the first six. So. Just be aware. Topic of your choice is an option. Um, All right. So, Sai, why don't we start with um, maybe some general advice you have about the essay? Given like what I just shared, that number seven basically says it can be about anything. But there's one key component that has to be part of every essay, right? So, can you talk to us a little bit about just the general idea suggestion for the comment for the essay?
5: Yes, absolutely. The general thing is it is your story. It is your voice, right? It is a story that you have experienced in your lifetime. And as long as it is about you and admissions officers learn about you and hear from you, you know, and get a sense of who you are and how you've experienced a certain um, event or you're talking about an interest. And we'll get into this, of course. Mm -hmm. Right. But it is about you. So this is not an opportunity to be like, I'm just going to talk about something totally different that has very little to do with you. Even if it's something that interests you, it should still be about you.
1: Exactly. Great. Okay, good. So with that established, let's go to prompt number one. And I'll read the prompt and then why don't you share your thoughts? Um, All right. So the first one is some students have a background, identity, interest, or talent that is so meaningful, they believe their application would be incomplete without it. If this sounds like you, then please share your story. What's your advice here?
5: Oh, there's so much to talk about here, you know? <laughs> um, it makes me think of one of my favorite poems of Walt women, I am large, I contain multitudes. You have so many things about you. You mm-hmm. have backgrounds, identities, you have so many interests, and certainly you're all very talented. So this is a background, and identity, right? I've actually shared this with my students before, they're like, oh my gosh, I have to talk about all these things? No, no, no. Nope, (laughs) please (laughs) no. Please (laughs) no, choose a story, right? A story. So, you know, if I were to write this essay, I could talk about coming from Thailand. I could talk about the fact that I love dance. I could talk about the fact that, you know, I love to read history books. Any of those things would be fine as long as you talk about why. Why are those things meaningful to you, right? Right. Um, Yeah.
1: And well, and I was going to add the key there is that you would not write about all three of those things, because then you would be trying to create what we would call a kitchen sink essay where you're cramming everything into one. You really, I can't highlight it enough. You have to choose one.
5: That's right. Okay. And delve into detail, you know, yes. give us examples, give us visual imagery of the things that are important to you, whether it's your background or your um, or, or identity or, or your talent or skills, right? right? Give us as much detail as you can.
1: Exactly. All right. So then the second prompt, I find this one to be tricky. So mm-hmm. I'm going to read it. Here we go. The lessons we take from obstacles we encounter can be fundamental to later success. Recount a time when you faced a challenge, setback, or failure. How did it affect you and what did you learn from the experience? Tricky.
5: Yes. Why? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's tricky because I think a trap that a lot of students fall into is talking about the actual obstacle itself. Yeah, right. 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 Focusing on that too much, right? Exactly. And focusing on the negative part of it, whereas it's more about this is a growth essay. How did you grow from this experience? What did you learn from it? right? How did this affect you? How did this positively impact you, even if it was an obstacle or a challenge?
1: Right. Exactly. And you know we want to come away knowing who you became as a result. much more about that than we want to know about what bad thing happened to you right so my suggestion is always that the obstacle should be maybe a quarter maybe a third at the absolute most of the essay Mm -hmm. and then three quarters to two-thirds of the essay about how you changed and who you've become as a result that's right yeah okay okay Um, so again tricky I'm not sure that's one that I would automatically go to because I do think it's a little it can be difficult to do that well Mm -hmm. that said I've read excellent essays that used that prompt uh, prompt okay number three reflect on a time when you questioned or challenged a belief or idea what prompted your thinking and what was the outcome what are some things to keep in mind for this one
5: yeah. So this can sometimes be a little contentious because I think sometimes students are like, I don't want to talk about anything that's too controversial, but this is what I would call the intellectual curiosity essay, right? You as a student, are you able to think um, with different perspectives, are you able to articulate how you question something that maybe you've heard from a teacher or a classmate or a friend or a family member? And how did you go about with this conversation? Right? What were some mm-hmm. of the, um, the the dialogue, the conversations you had, and what came out of it? So, I think to me, it's more about thinking about your experiences in terms of conversations where you thought, huh. I never thought about this way, Mm -hmm. right? That shows an admissions officer your ability to take in different perspectives and ideas and synthesize them on your own.
1: Right. And then I think a big one, talk to me about the section of the prompt, where if you don't address this, I think you don't address the prompt. And that is, what was the outcome, right? So it's Mm -hmm. not enough to simply have thought about something differently, right? What's the end result? How do you talk to students about that part?
5: Yeah, and I think that's a really good question because that should be a big part of the essay, right? Yes. So again, just like the previous one we talked about, you know, don't spend three quarters of the essay talking about what happened, but talk a lot about what did you learn from it, right? Was there a consensus? Did you, did you change your mind about something? And, um, or did you change someone else's mind yes. about something? And, and you know, what was that outcome? And why is that meaningful to you? Again, your journey, your experience, your story
1: right? You know, just to dig into this one a little bit more, because I do feel sometimes when students say, oh, I really like this prompt, they, na- they go to some things that, I don't know, sometimes can be controversial. As you mentioned, you know, people sometimes are like, mm, I don't know if I want to do this one because it's controversial. But, you know, what are some examples maybe of things that you have seen students write about or that you, if you were to sit down and write this that you might do, I mean, is there anything you would recommend they stay away from or do you Mm. really feel like the sky is the limit here?
5: I think the sky is the limit, but I think be very judicious in how Mm -hmm. you articulate yourself and what angle you wanna take, right? So I was working with a student, I think last year, and she wrote a beautiful essay about organizing a protest for civil rights in her town. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was inspired by the Black Lives Matter movement, You know, and that can be a very contentious essay, so when we talked about it, the way that she talked about it was why this was meaningful to her and how she had an argument with some members of her family about it, um, but that she stuck to her, you know, to her, her goals of organizing this event. And at the end of the day, her family members came and supported the cause because mm. she had spoken to them. So as you can see, it's, it's very tough to articulate that kind of um, conversation, especially when it's about loved ones, Right. right. Um, but you can see the outcome. You can see what the, um, the, the 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 question was in terms of her feeling like she wanted to listen to her family because she loves them, but also she wanted to really stick to her, you know, her true beliefs there um, in organizing this event.
1: And what strikes me about that example is wrote about something that could be controversial, but wrote about it in a way that it was about her, right? Mm-hmm. It was personal to her. And certainly we see how she thinks about things. But at the same time, she wasn't trying to do something bigger than her. And there is a problem that I that I see sometimes is where students get into making big pronouncements and things they're going to do to bring about world peace. And those are all amazing goals to have in life. Mm -hmm. But if it doesn't come back to you at the end of the day, it's not going to be the most successful essay that you could put in front of an admissions committee.
5: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Okay. Number four is, um, this one is a relatively new one, I believe. um, And it's Reflect on something that someone has done for you that has made you happy or thankful in a surprising way. How has this gratitude affected or motivated you? So what's your advice here?
5: I'm very excited about this prompt. You know, I'm really looking forward to seeing students' answers to this because, you know, for the past 15 months, we all, all of us around the world... Have experienced so much of this collective trauma and, you know, for multiple different issues and pandemics. And so I'm really excited to see what students will talk about with this prompt. I think again, how has this gratitude affected or motivated you, right? right? So there's already been many conversations with students about like, well, you know, there was a teacher who did this or, you know, um, a council member who brought me in and gave me an internship. And that's wonderful. But talk to us about why. Why was this surprising? Why was it meaningful for you? Right. right. In a time where things were very digital, where you were isolated from your family and friends, what were some of the things that happened that inspired you and perhaps made you believe again? you know, and and lifted you up. Um, It is about how you've been affected. Let's remember that for sure.
1: Right. And also the way I read it too is not only how you've been affected, but what you've done as a result, right? So if you've truly been affected by this in a positive way, ideally we're going to see that in maybe some actions that you've taken as a result of that, right? right? So again, at the core, we sound a little bit like a broken record, but the reality is it's a personal essay and it's about you. So it's so important that this comes back to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not yet had a student who has expressed an interest in do- working on this. I also think that I ha- I don't have a student right now who was, they we've all been impacted by what's gone on with COVID, but I don't have a student who at this point has been Significantly negatively impacted by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could see that if I, if I did and someone had done something wonderful, I could see this leaping to mind for them immediately doesn't mean they won't write about it doesn't even mean it needs to be covid related right it doesn't have to have anything to do with the pandemic i think you mentioned there are a lot of things going on in the world right now Mm -hmm. that it could be related to but um my mind goes there but that's not fair either um i just i'm excited to talk to the student who does think who you know this sparks something for them and (laughs) um and i know that the common app is as well so yeah um, they didn't No colleges favor one prompt over another, though, lest you walk away saying, "Sai and Beth really think you should be responding to number four. We did not say that. We are simply excited to see what comes from number four. That doesn't mean if it's not for you, it's not for you.
5: That's right. And, you know, to say what you were saying earlier, this is relatively new. You know, so um, we've seen a lot of these essay prompts for many, many years. So it's exciting to have a new one that I think will engage students in a different and fresh way.
1: Exactly. Yes. Agreed. Um, okay, let's move on to the next one. Uh, discuss an accomplishment, event, or realization that sparked a period of personal growth and a new understanding of yourself or others. Interesting
5: it is interesting you know and i feel like some students are like but i don't have any accomplishments you know, <laughs> of course you do and i'm like of course you have right mm-hmm. whether you have been elected to a certain role at school right whether you are a leader in one of your organizations or sports teams or perhaps you just learned something on your own in class there was an intellectual breakthrough these are all realizations these are all accomplishments right. so it doesn't have to be oh i became president of student council. It could just mean that wow this moment clicked for me in this particular class and that inspired me to learn more and now this is why I want to study x right Right. so you as a 17 year old 18 year old you have had so many wonderful experiences accomplishments this is a chance to share them with us and delve into detail not a kitchen sink as you said so beautifully earlier but like go into one story and tell us about it.
1: Right. And I could, I, I want to stress, and you've said this already, but I want to stress the accomplishment. It doesn't have to be a huge accomplishment. It could literally be something very small and personal to you. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you, <coughs> excuse me, maybe during, during the pandemic, all you did was lay around. Uh, That might be me. Um, And so maybe the accomplishment for you was that you set a goal for yourself that, okay, I want to get out of my house once a day and walk around the block. Mm -hmm. And you started doing that and then you did it seven days in a row and suddenly it had become a part of your your routine. And now you can't imagine going a day without doing that. And what you learned from it is that You know, you probably should have tried to get yourself out of that funk a little sooner and that um, now you realize, wow, there's a lot that I can accomplish. And perhaps you could uh, point to something that you're embarking on now Mm -hmm. that you're trying as a result of that small accomplishment. Right. So it does not have to be big and I really want to underscore what you said, which is that everybody has an accomplishment. It doesn't have to be a huge thing or a realization or some moment that happens happens in your life. Um,
5: right.
1: You know, in fact, if you have that moment, I find like that's a good thing that a, a great essay can hinge on mm-hmm. is you know, this moment where who you were before, then this thing happens, and who you are now as a result and how you changed as a result of that one moment. So mm-hmm. for me, I think this one can provide a really good framework for an essay that shows an important story about who you are. So I like Absolutely. this one. Yeah, Um, All right, last one, we already talked about number seven, which is, if you recall, topic of your choice. But number six um, is describe a topic, idea, or concept you find so engaging that it makes you lose all track of time. Why does it captivate you? What or who do you turn to when you want to learn more? What are your thoughts on this one?
5: This is a really exciting uh, prompt because this is an opportunity for students to Truly, either talk about what they're academically interested in, if they mm-hmm. want to go into something like computer science or business or philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. Or talk about something that just happens to interest them. Right. <laughs> Nothing to do with their major, right? right? Nothing to do with what they want to study in college. But literally, like, I really like science fiction because to me, futurism is exciting. and I want to see how we envision and imagine technology. And so I, I you know, I watch films and I read books about it. Awesome. You want to right. go study something totally unrelated. We just want to see the passion. We want to see that you have heart, right? And that right. you are interested in how you can articulate that. And where or whom do you go to? You know, are you a reader? Do you um, have your own research? Do you take notes? You know, like right. it can be so broad. So I think this is a really fun essay that students can truly have a good time writing.
1: Yeah, and I, I, the thing that strikes me about this is one of the things I always talk about when I'm talking to students, especially as they look at more selective schools, is certainly there are expectations around your grades, around your accomplishments. But one of the big things is a spark. You're looking for some type of spark. And it's really difficult to define, And mm-hmm. but you kind of know it when you see it. Um, And to me, this essay can really get at spark. And for me, spark is that student who isn't just good at school, but they really just engage with what they're learning. Um, And they they love it. They find it fascinating. If their teacher is teaching about something in the classroom, maybe they're learning more about the Civil War. Mm -hmm. And the teacher says, hey, if you want to learn more about this particular part of the Civil War, I could recommend this great book for you. This kid with spark goes and gets that book and reads the book and then says to the teacher, I read the book. It was so cool. And what else should I check out? And the teacher might say, oh, here are three other resources you want to check out. Or on their own, the student reads the book and then checks out the bibliography at the end of the book <laughs> and says, Oh, I'm gonna read these four other books as a result, right? right they go down the rabbit hole. Yes. And this is a great place to help take your reader along with you as you go down that rabbit hole.
5: Mm-hmm. If that
1: makes sense.
5: Absolutely. That spark should be infectious. It should make us want to learn about that thing as well, right? Or like take that journey with you. Yeah.
1: Exactly. I want to, I almost want to come away from an essay like that. Like, oh, I want to check out that book or I'm going to go watch that YouTube series or, and it doesn't have to be academic, like you right. said, and it doesn't have to be something you want to study. I mean, it can be really great if you you do. I'm thinking of a student that I worked with a couple of years ago who was really into physics and essentially wrote his essay about what sparked the interest in physics and all mm-hmm. the different ways in which he en- has engaged with the subject since then. And it helped that that was his goal was to study mm-hmm. that in college and. Um, and it really took us inside the life of the mind for him and and mm-hmm. and really made the case for him in this subject area at this college with the addition of some other um, uh, other essays. So mm-hmm. I find this one very exciting from that perspective.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: All right. So I, um, any final piece of advice around the essay before we wrap up our segment?
5: Absolutely. Have fun with it. You know, this can seem like, Uh, a labor of love. And it is because it's your voice, you know, but be yourself, have fun, you know, have, have folks read it, talk to us about it. Like this is an opportunity for you to be yourself in the application and share who you are. And it's exciting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Really the only place you're going to speak for yourself. So make the most of it. All right. Um, Cy, thank you so much for joining today. I really appreciate it.
5: Thank you for having me.
1: All right. And I want to thank all of my guests this week. Next week, I am back. So you cannot seem to get rid of me, but I'm back. Um, We're gonna be talking about college interviews, which are still a thing, although not everywhere, but we're gonna talk about whether you should interview and how to prepare for those interviews. We're also gonna be answering answering your listener questions. So send them to us, you can post them on Facebook, you can send them to us on Instagram, you can tweet them at us, you can post them on LinkedIn, um, or you could simply email email them to us at gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Um, Don't forget, I mentioned at the top of the hour that we would really love for you to uh, review us on Apple Podcasts. The more reviews we get, the more people who find us, and um, the more successful we are. We have been on the air for more than six years now, every single week, giving really good advice. And we just want to give it to as many people as possible so you can help us in that mission by reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Um, And last thing, if you're interested in... Whether or not we've covered a topic of interest to you, you can actually, we blog about every single podcast that we do. Um, So if you go to our blog, which is at blog.getintocollege.com, and you search for the topic, it should pull up every uh, podcast episode that we've done on that topic. Um, So, and then the final is just, we're here every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific.